0: Welcome to the Healing Courageously podcast, where we engage in open, honest, and healthy conversation about everything from addiction, abuse, and recovery, to marriage, family, and spirituality. We hope you find this podcast helpful. Our goal is that you will find a new way of living as you look closer at yourself in these areas of your life, which will lead to a happier and healthier you. Now, here's your host, Randy Boyd.
1: Welcome to this episode of Healing Courageously. And on this episode, I'm going to be discussing... It's not that simple. It's not that simple. And I'm going to be talking about change. And I'm going to be talking about change and some scripture from the Bible that some people take as um, change is just a magical wand that we can wave of over us and automatically our life is going to change. And be honest with you, there's nothing farther from the truth. And, you know, when you when you look at the miracles in the Bible, um, there's several of them, most of them that I look at the woman with the blood, the man at the healing pools, the centurion, every one of those healings that took place, there was action that was taking taken by the people receiving the healing. Yeah, there's times. Yet I know that Jesus would just lay hands on somebody, and they'd be able to see, and and there was those definite kind of of healings like that. But in in most cases that I've read, okay, and remember, this is my opinion, this is my view, this is what I see. I like to I like to look at things in the Bible. Um, how can I relate to it today? Because growing up, that's not how I saw the Bible. I saw it full of. Uh, a, a, a black book full of extremely difficult uh, rules and laws that I had to live by. And if I didn't live by those rules and laws, then I had hell to pay for it. <clears throat> so I, I, I look at things today a lot differently. and, I, and I, A lot of the understanding I get, I will go to other uh, theological uh, people that I know, uh, pastors and theological geniuses, so to speak. And I'll discuss it with them to make sure that I'm on the right track. Most of you know that my, my life experience has been, uh, especially from the age of 12 to 17, 18, was, was littered with emotional, physical, spiritual, and sexual abuse. And I spent a long time, it's been 16 years since I started the recovery journey, from all of that. So I spent a long time working on everything. And there's been a lot of things that I have overcome, the physical, the emotional, and the sexual abuse. For the most part, I've I've overcome all that. I, I overcame it by taking action on my part, doing certain things that I knew that I had to do. In order to heal, taking instructions from people that knew better than me, that were wiser than me taking instructions from people that would actually show me the love of Christ instead of talking about it and then walking another way. So out of all that abuse, the hardest abuse that I I have, and I've just discovered this probably in the last couple of years, the hardest abuse or the abuse that's done the most damage to me has been the spiritual abuse. Why do I say that? Well, because there's a couple ways that our, our spirit is abused. And and I'm often asked, Randy, what do you mean by spiritual abuse? Well, there's two types that I look at. One, when we're abused as a child, emotionally, physically, spiritually, sexually, whatever that is, when we're abused, especially on a continuum, that is our, our spirit, the child spirit within us has been abused, has been assassinated. I, I can remember listening to an interview with a with a child molester, and the question was asked, "What do you do to these kids? What kind of harm do you do? You do Long term harm do you do to these kids that you molest and, and abuse?" And he says, "We assassinate their character," and that's exactly what what it is, character assassination. And so, that's the one kind of abuse. And the other kind of abuse, is, the other kind of spiritual abuse, is one. Somebody of spiritual authority, be it a pastor, a youth pastor, any kind of clergy, a mother, a father, grandfather, grandmother, aunt, uncle, brother, cousin, anybody that has spiritual authority over you, uses that authority to coerce you into doing things that you don't want to do. That's spiritual abuse. And basically, anything that goes against the Bible is spiritual abuse. And I know in my case, a lot of people that I grew up with, they twisted the Bible to make it fit their narrative. I mean, when you have a youth pastor that's smoking weed, right? Now, remember, I grew up with, this was back in the 70s. When you have a youth pastor that's smoking weed, but yet I can't smoke weed because I'll get in trouble, and then I go to... Elders, I go to my mother, my stepfather. I go to people in the church. They say it's none of your business. Don't worry about it. Well, wait a minute. I, I don't understand. Is is it or isn't it? Is it okay or isn't it okay? It's okay for him, but not for me. So there's a lot of confusion. A lot of that, and that's where the abuse comes in. And because of that growing up, I saw a lot of hypocrisy in the in the church. And I knew it was hypocrisy from the very beginning. And yeah, I know. We're all hypocrites at some point. I understand that. Every one of us are. There's no doubt about that. But when you grow up in, the, in, a, in a hypocrisy of a church and you got, you know, a, a mother and a stepfather, I won't even call them parents, that were very hypocritical, living this one life with the church and then coming home behind closed doors and beating, molesting me, you know, and, and, and all that stuff. That's spiritual abuse. Okay, enough of that. So, we have a situation that is, is rampant, um, and it's throughout it's throughout religion. Okay, and it's actually there's been papers written on it. And for the first time tonight, we were we were um, we were uh, mentoring pre premarital counseling a couple, and we asked how the relationship with a parent was. And she said this, and it's the first time I've ever heard a person say this, and it made my heart feel so good. She goes, my father showed me unconditional love. And that's what I look at Christ as. My father showed me unconditional love, so I know that God will show me unconditional love. And it made my heart warm, because not, that is not a typical statement from anybody. Because what we do is, the ultimate, the, ultimate, the ultimate Father-Son model is Jesus and God, Father and Son. That is the ultimate model that we should be following. Right? And I did a six-part series on this a couple months ago. But the reality is this. Right? There's a lot of damage that's done by people, very well-intended people, we we walk into a church, or somebody walks into a church, and I've talked to several people, and this is exactly how they felt, and they've they've said this um, on their own, without any kind of coercion from me or any kind of suggestion. But is this? They walk in and so, say, "So wait a minute, tell me this, Randy, Pastor Randy, Randy, whatever you want to call me, Pastor Randy. You tell me that all I have to do is give my life to Jesus." Yeah. And in doing so, God, our Father, is going to love me unconditionally. Yeah. And He's going to forgive everything I've ever done in the past. He's not going to hold it against me. Yeah. And He's going to help me achieve and gain all my needs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how is that possible? What do you mean, how is that possible? My Father right here on earth, that, that was here on earth, that I could visibly see, he beat me, molested me. He broke promises constantly. He didn't have unconditional love for me. It was very conditional. And it was very unforgiving. And, and, and very um, belittling to me. Now, you want me to believe that some God that's up in the sky that I can't see is going to give me unconditional love and forgiveness? Yeah. Just go sit in the rooms of Alcoholics Anonymous for a week or two. Just sit there. You can go there as a guest. Find an open meeting. And you'll see how many people, and I was shocked. And actually, I felt good because I thought I was the only one. You'll be shocked at the amount of people that have been hurt by the church. And when I say the church, it's people in the church. But in doing that, what they do is they blame that hurt on God. And, and it's a hard thing for people to get over because God gives man free will. But people go, well, if he gives him free will, it's still God that's letting this happen. Well, you, you got a point. But if you can learn to take a deep breath, as I had to do, and you sit back and you look at everything I went through, And if God had told me what I was going through was for a purpose, I'd have said, I don't want none of this. Thank you, no, very much. But everything happens for a reason. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by accident. Nothing. So one of the things that I had to learn to do, and and, and, and when it comes to spiritual abuse, this is something that I'm still working on. And And the thing of it is, is that I now have my voice where when I was a kid, I didn't have my voice. It was taken away from me. And so I use my voice today to express what I see in a loving way and with the right people. And people don't like it because I speak truths. It's not just my emotions and feelings. It's my truth. It's what I see. it's, it's, It's the discernment that God has given me. So there's a lot of things that I've had to change. And I was having a, 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 a conversation with one of our pastors here a couple of weeks ago. And we were talking about Romans 12.2. Uh, uh, 12, 12, Romans 12.2, I don't know why, I know what it is. And it says that, Do not be conformed to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Sounds easy, huh? But it's not. Number one, transformed is an action word. It's a verb. We have to do something. Transformed. We just can't snap a finger and fairy dust comes down or it's over with. And then the renewing is also a verb. So, you know, I had a, I had a comment or a conversation with a pastor probably a year or two ago, and he was kind of upset with me. and That's okay. I don't mind pastors being upset with me. I like being challenged. But he says, you know, Randy, you can't keep taking people back in their past. And I go, see, what you don't understand, Pastor, is this. is that I don't take people back in their past. They're living in it. And I says, hey, you're quoting all these scriptures to me, you know, renewing of the mind and you're new in Christ and, and all this stuff. And I, you're right. Okay. But a- answer me this question if it worked like fairy dust at the click of a finger once you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, why do people keep going back to the altar every week? Tell me why. We have to accept Christ as our Lord and Savior. I understand that. Once we've accepted Him, okay. Change doesn't just happen. I'm sure there's certain things that can be taken away fairly quick. I didn't experience any of them. A lot of people just say, well, you know, God's going to take care of it, and they never change. So how do we renew our mind? How do we we transform? How do we renew our mind? Well, what's a community of people that you're hanging around? A lot of people with substance abuse, pornography abuse, All the different abuses and addictions that we have in the world. I used to hate when my my mother would say, birds of a feather flock together. Well, that's the truth of the matter. I can see the people that we know, and a lot of them that we've mentored and counseled, that when when they're in the right community of people, their life changes drastically for the better. Because they have, they're surrounding themselves with like-minded people that are trying to, not trying, I hate that word, that are working on changing themselves. And then there's those that continue to hang out with their friends in the world. Nothing changes. Change isn't that simple. Now, hanging out with your friends in the world, I don't have a problem with that. If, if you can do it and still live a godly life, or if you're involved in abuse program—I'm pro- sorry, substance abuse programs and that and such—and you can do that without having to drink or use. Okay, that's fine. But what's your behavior doing? See, it's—it's it's, the substance abuse is just—it's—it's a, it's a symptom. It's the mind that we have to change, and how do we change that mind? Well, you know, for me, it was—it was—it was hanging around people that. that loved me for who I was that saw my brokenness and instead of talking about the love of Christ they showed me the love of Christ and some of them weren't even Christians some of them didn't go to church but in my eyes they were better Christians than a lot of people that went to church I had people that were feeding me positive stuff instead of negative stuff completely opposite of what I did in the world I had to I had to walk away from a lot of people that, in the long run, you think they're friends, and you find out well they weren't friends, and then as you grow spiritually along the lines of spirituality, and you look back, and you go, no. They weren't friends because friends aren't gonna it, it, um, aren't gonna encourage you to have affairs. Friends aren't gonna encourage you to do things that are against your morals and ethics. And. Addicts, alcohol, not even addicts and alcohol, a lot of people, they don't have the self-esteem to fight that. So one thing we have to do is we have to change our community. And it's hard to do because you got to walk away from people. It's a process. It takes time. We stayed away from family for a whole year, and they knew what I was doing, and, and they Respected me for that, and they appreciate the Randy that came out of that year. There's just a lot of alcohol at family functions, and I and I didn't want to be around it. It was my choice. There's people that good friends of mine right now that still drink. All my cycling buddies, a lot of them drink. Okay, fine, have a drink. Not my problem. I'm the one the problem, not you. Don't don't feel guilty. If I get triggered, I'll leave. You guys enjoy yourself, and they're not—they're not out of control people that drink. They're great family people. So, what's community you're hanging out with? This, this whole topic tonight was kind of triggered. Not kind of was triggered by a, a friend of mine sent me a video of a pastor that talked about your—you know—your thoughts control. You know what are your your Something about thoughts, thoughts, control, and mind. Right? And it was, he had a lot of good points, but as typical that pastors do is they don't. And I've talked to my pastors about this, and a lot of them, some of them agree. They don't, they paint this rosy picture that once you, once you accept Christ, that's it. Your life's just going to automatically change and get better. Automatically. And, and, I, and I understand why they don't want to go to the next step and they say, hey, now that you accept the Christ, there's some things that you have to do in order to change and become the person that God created you to be. You've got years of defects of character that you built up. And it's not, it's not to, to put you down or, or, or any of that. It's just the work that needs to be done to shed the old and become new. It's that simple. It's in, in principle. But it's not an easy journey at all. And this pastor was reading Colossians 3, 1 through 8. So I'm going to kind of go through and, and speak a little bit on it. Um, and hopefully this will just give some insight and insight There might be some pastors out there that that might listen to this and just click it off right away. I I don't know. I don't know. But I I just know that what's more important than talking about the love of Christ is walking with the love of Christ and being that example of Christ to other people. People are so tired of hearing the hypocritical statements by a lot of Christians and even in the big, even even in the rooms of recovery, big big thump, big book thumpers, they 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 can talk to talk, but the minute they walk out the church door, the minute they walk out the rooms of recovery, it flips. They're not walking to talk at all, and that's what people are tired of seeing. Colossians three one. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. If you were raised with Christ. I know a lot of people that were raised with Christ in the family, but it was nowhere a Christ-like family. Right? So, the first thing we got to do, we must focus first on our position in Christ. It all starts there. So who are we in Christ? You can remember, we weren't born with anger. We weren't born with low self-esteem. The reality is we were born in the image of Christ. That's the reality of it. All right? And through life things happen. And through lies lives life almost everybody has trauma in their life. And then we are all labeled by somebody or something or by ourselves. We're labeled who we think we should be. Mom and Dad think we should be this. Grandpa thinks we should be that. Your pastor thinks you should be that. You're an alcoholic. I'm an addict. You know, I'm a codependent. We've got all these labels on us. Remember that—that's not who we are. Those are all things that happened to us in our life, or all things that we did. That doesn't identify us as in Christ's eyes. Christ looks at us as a child of God. It's real simple, and that's where we have to start aligning ourselves with. Who you know? One of the things we say is, "Who's telling you those lies that you hear in your head all the time?" This is all I deserve. you know. I'll never amount to nothing. See, I'm proving my, my mom and my dad right. You know, I'm, I'm just a failure. I'm always gonna be a failure. Who's telling you those things? The enemy. Yeah, the enemy's saying it, but where'd you hear it from first? Because the one thing the enemy knows, where'd he learn it from? It's nothing, it, he doesn't know how to, how to say anything new. The devil only knows your past. And that's what he uses to keep you stuck in the quagmire of hell that you might be living in. Who's telling you those lies? Is that what Christ would say? Not at all. Verse 2. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. So we have to renew our thought life. Action, okay? How are we going to do that? We must focus our minds on things above. We must raise new eternal thoughts, okay? How, how are we going to do that if we're hanging out with the same people in the same places? We, we're not going to renew our mind. We're not going to have high, uh, higher thoughts. We're stuck right in the places we were. And yeah, that transition from there to people that have higher thoughts, right, that, 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 that are, are raising their internal standards, it can be lonely, because you're walking away from sometimes your whole life of living a certain way, and believing certain things. Believe me, I've been there, but it's the only way that you can do it. You've got to change who you're hanging with. How, how can I change my thoughts from thinking I'm worthless if I'm getting high all the time, or I'm getting drunk, or I'm seeing a prostitute, or I'm watching pornography, or, or whatever, or if I'm isolating, and I'm in my thoughts all day long? That's not what Christ wants. We, we have to take the action. That's when we have to be uncomfortable we're going to be uncomfortable. And we need to reach out to people. People that, that, that have what you want, as we would say in, a, in, 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 in the program. Find somebody that has what you want. If, if you're married and you have kids, find a married man who, and a father right? That that has what you want, that has a healthy marriage, has a healthy relationship with his kids. How does he do that? Because a lot of us we never had anybody show those examples to us never period and, and I you know almost everybody that we sit down with my wife and I counsel same thing not my parents I didn't get this from I didn't get any kind of good, good uh, modeling from my parents so how are you going to get it you got to take that step you got to get the courage to take the step into the unknown world of change. Verse 3. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Recognize your old life is dead. Recognize that your old life is dead. And believe me, when I started making this transition, you know, it, it, at first it was hard because it's like, what am I walking away from? The fear of the unknown. And it's legitimate. My wife even used to say she was afraid of the woman that she was going to become going through the of steps. She's grateful she did it. What's going to happen on this journey? We have to die to our old ways, so you say goodbye to them. And a lot of times, that takes grief work. You can't live a certain way of life for half your life, three quarters of your life, and just say goodbye to it and not expect there to be some grief. It's going to be there, and it's okay that's there. You got to remember that change doesn't happen if we maintain any way, any way to return to our old patterns. It's it's not the change won't take place. The temptation's gonna be there, but remember, when there's a temptation, God always gives you an out. Always will give you an out. You have to remember that. If you're still in your old patterns, you're not going to change. And like I say, you have to completely walk away from that, that that way of life. Will it be for the rest of your life that you have to walk away from those people? Maybe, maybe not. The one group of friends that I still have and I've had ever since before I got sober, and I have them today, they respect the fact that I'm a sober. They respect the fact that I'm a pastor. They respect the fact that I'm a human being. They respect the fact that I love them exactly how they are, and I don't preach to them when I see them. are my cycling friends. We go. My wife and I do a lot of stuff with them. They're fun to be around. But I'm at a place in my life where I know if to do anything else but what I'm doing today, my life will be over. God told me February 1st, 2006, without without un- any uncertainty, you get out of jail, free cards are used up, Randy. And that wasn't February 1st that it meant. It meant that day, and I meant every day after that, that if I go back to the way I was living, the next time God gets me out of trouble, He might let me get in trouble. So we have to walk away from our old life. We have to change our patterns. And again, it goes right back to the community. Go down to verse 4. He says, When Christ who is... Our life appears when Christ, who is our life, appears. Then you also will appear with Him in glory. So release the past habits. It actually goes. Um, that's actually verse eight through eleven. Um, but it says we must put off the old, taking off a worn set of clothes. So I go down to eleven, read eleven for you, or I'll read eight to eleven. But now yourselves. Are to put all of these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised, nor nor circumcised, nor nor circumcised, barbarian, uh, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and all, and in all. So, <clears throat> we're born in the image of God, okay? And we're born in the image of God, and that it, it comes down to this, that God is in us. Jesus lives in us. When Jesus was crucified, we were crucified with Him. And He, we're in Him, and He's in us. So, if we if Christ is in us, and our body is a temple of God, and we're doing things like, you know, any kind of addiction, overeating, pornography, um, you know, drugs, alcohol. I mean, gambling. I mean, all this stuff plays on our on our body in some way, um, some way, or shape, or form. Okay. If we're doing that, we're abusing Christ himself. Well, Randy, that seems kind of weird. Yeah, it does. But the reality is, if the Bible is true, and to me it's true, if the Bible is word, and to me it's a word, Christ lives in us, therefore, what we do to us, we're doing to Christ. And think about that one of you, Christian. Think about that. We have to get rid of our old habits. Only um, we get rid of our old habits only when we substitute new habits for them. Twelve through fourteen says this. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering bearing with one another, and forgiving one another, if anyone has complained against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. So, how do we change? We do the opposite of what we used to do. We take risks that we, you know, that we look at. (laughs) When we're out living in the world, we take a lot of risk. I I don't know anybody that hasn't. So why aren't we taking risks for Christ? Why don't we take the risks to to step out? And yeah, I, I understand, and I've had a lot of people come to me, that they've been burned by people because they go to them and open up to them. And next thing you know, the whole community knows about what's going on in their life. That's wrong. And that's why it's really important that when you're seeking somebody to help you, ask around. Ask people, if, if you're going to recovery, ask people in the meetings. Ask people in your church. Who is it that you can talk to that I can that I can trust, that can help me with my, with my life right now? Who has it that not only can trust, but maybe he's walked in my shoes before, or they've walked in my shoes before? I, I, I know you have to be really careful. Because a lot of people have no integrity. And, and they'll, they'll gladly rat you out to the whole community instead of holding your life sacred in their hands as Christ would do. It's scary. It's, it, 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 it's There's some people out there that, that take these challenges and my wife and I counsel them and it's like, man, I'm just... You guys are doing so good. You're so strong. They're honest with each other. There's other ones that are scared to death They take that. They want change so bad. But they're just afraid. And that fear is, is, is natural. But if, if we're walking with Christ, then we need to have faith over fear. Faith over fear. It's, it, it's that simple, blind faith. You know, I, I, I was told and when I walked in the, the rooms of recovery that, then I was successful in life. Right? But I was told Randy, you can have whatever you want in life as long as you don't pick up a drink. Whatever you want in life, you can have. You know, and, and it's funny because it, it, when I was in treatment, I remember one day we had to write some things down. Write, I think it was four or five things down on a piece of paper. What do you want your life to be like in one year from today? Hmm. So I, we all had to write, I think it was four or five things. And then we put it in an envelope and sealed it and said, open on this day the next year. So two thousand. open this day in 2007. I think it was in May or whatever it was. Hmm. And I forgot about it. And I remember, when I remembered, I went and got that letter, and I read it with my wife. And everything in that letter, except for one thing, and it was materialistic, everything in that letter came true. It all had to do with peace, serenity, my family coming back together. All the spiritual stuff. And the only thing that didn't come true was I wanted a ranch in the high country. You know, it, it what was important to me? my family what was important to me in my life you know I heard a guy say one time I hope you get desperate I hope these people get desperate enough to want to make a change I hope you don't have to get that desperate I hope that people are willing to see that hey I need to change something you know maybe what my wife or my husband Maybe what my my, my friends in church are saying to me. Maybe maybe what my pastor's saying to me. What my grand. Maybe what somebody's saying to me has some credence. so maybe I need to look at myself. I can promise you that it's worth it. It's well worth it. Absolutely, one hundred percent worth the change. As hard as it is, it'll be hard. But if you want to change. You just can't be a pew sitter. You, you've got to change. You've got to take effort. You've got to make the efforts to figure out what is it that I gotta change. When we first get it, when we first start the journey, everything is blatantly right in front of us. That so we gotta change. And we gotta come out of denial. We gotta surrender. Okay, yeah, I now nah, I don't have to change that. It ain't that bad. No, you gotta change it. But as we go down the road, things aren't so obvious. Well, it's just who I am, right? No, it's, if that's what you want to say, and that's how you, and that's how you're gonna live your life, and your life seems to be working so wonderfully, with your wife wanting to leave you, and your kids don't want to talk to you, and you, you know you're always in trouble with somebody. All right, fine, have a good life. But I know that's not how God wants you to live. I know that's not how I want you to live. So I just encourage you to, there's several good books out there. Um, I'm reading a book right now by Dr. Allen Berger. It's called Emotional Sobriety. And and I I would highly encourage everybody that's listening to this, wherever you're at, to read that. Read that book. Read my book, Healing the Wounded Child Within. It's a book of hope and and healing. there's, There's lots of good books out there to read. But the, the thing you have to have is an open mind. If you're gonna read these books, you're gonna walk into this with a closed mind, don't even waste your time. But when you're ready and you have an open mind, then change will take place. So I hope for all of you that your life is, is good. I hope it gets better. And I know, especially right now during these pandemic times, it's absolutely crazy out there. We don't know what's coming, what's going, we don't know what's up, what's down. I understand how hard it is. But for the men, right now, your family needs you more today than they ever needed you. And mom's the same thing. Your kids need you, mom. They need your nurturing. Dad, they need to see how brave you are and how you can walk through this with a lot of courageous courage. It's time for us to step up to the plate. And because we have to make these changes does not mean you're a bad person. Not at all. I, I, I say this to, I've said this to hundreds of, of, of men. Only a weak man hides his weaknesses. Only a weak man hides his weaknesses. But a truly strong and courageous man will talk about his weaknesses. Now, you don't go blaring it to the entire world. Okay. you have to find the right people to do that with because if you don't it's going to cause a lot of issues and you don't want to do that you, you know men have grown up with a stigma of don't show your emotions, don't show your feelings suck it up, be a man, you got to be a provider you got to do, you got to, you got you to what about it? we got to be human beings so I appreciate you all tuning into this. I hope some of you got something out of it. Uh, I always say, take what you can and leave the rest. Or take what you want and just leave the rest. That's okay. I, um, I, I look at things differently. I have my voice and I use it today. Where I, I didn't even, five years ago, I, I didn't use it the way I use it today. But it's important that we find our voices when we use it in a healthy way, loving way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you can get my books, Healing Healing the Wounded Child within is on Amazon, uh, paperback, Kindle, and uh, Audible. My 30-day Devotion to Wholeness is on Amazon as well, and Kindle and paperback. And my seven-day Challenge Workbook for my Healing the Wounded Child book is on in paperback on on Amazon as well. So you can check those out there. And Dr. Allen Berger's books—he's got a whole series of books there on uh, on Amazon as well. All of the books are good, so he's he dives into this stuff pretty deep. And in my book, even India Finding Your Authentic Self, he's got a great excerpt in there that he characterizes. Um, he actually got it from Karen Horny, Um but it talks about the acorn and how we, the nurturing of an acorn and the nurturing of a human beings. It's a great excerpt, so um, it's worth the read. So with that, I'll say goodbye next week uh, next week will be Nathaniel um, he has the he's the owner of the true North uh, re- uh, treatment retreats it's a great program it gives you uh, it, it, it's it's a great program I was really impressed with what I read about it it's all about spirituality and God so he will be my guest next week so I hope to be able to have you join me in that one as well. At any rate, I will talk to you all on our next episode. Thank you for joining us. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all be blessed. Have a great night, great morning, great evening, great day, wherever you're watching this and whatever time it might be. Enjoy the rest of your day. And remember that nobody tells you they love you today. God does, but more importantly, Randy does. Be blessed, everybody.
0: This has been Healing Courageously with Randy Boyd. We will have a new episode every Monday. Please like us on iTunes or Google Play. If you would like to know more about the services available from Randy, please visit him at changeyourlifestorynow.com. Thank you for spending time with us. We'll see you next week. And remember, if nobody tells you they love you today, Randy does.